Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Today's episode marks an epic moment in the cultural history of the United States. This week, with the inauguration of our 45th president, we enter an era of capitalist conservative politics. Anticipating a protracted culture war over the next four years, I know that art and activism will become more vital than ever. Feminists are taking the first step in claiming everyone's right to equality, diversity, and inclusion. On day two of the new administration, hundreds of thousands will join in women's rallies and marches across our country, demonstrating the power of peaceful protest. A year of yes. Reimagining Feminism at the Brooklyn Museum in New York celebrates women as a cultural force. My guest today is Catherine Morris, curator of the museum's Elizabeth A. Sackler Center for Feminist Art. She organized a year-long series of thematic exhibitions and programs on the impact of feminism and feminist art. It's an exciting opportunity to celebrate the 10th anniversary of a unique center for feminist art in a historical institution like the Brooklyn Museum, and to take the opportunity of a milestone like 10 years to think about the future and to think about what a center for feminist art needs to look like and accomplish and prioritize in the next 10 years. It's been described as a feminist takeover of the museum. I love that. (laughs) That is absolutely the idea. You know, when the Sackler Center opened 10 years ago, and we do have a discrete space within the institution, an exhibition and forum space, I think that people originally thought that's what it would be. It would be a discrete moment within the installation calendar of the institution. But for me, having been the curator here now for the last almost eight years, it has seemed that the opportunity that the Brooklyn Museum offers a place like the Sackler Center needs to be explored. We need to get outside the confines of the physical space and get into the entire museum historically, culturally, socially, and all the ways that that culture and history is represented. And I know you have leadership, new leadership that's facilitating all this work. I mean, it's sort of like a feminist takeover of the museum itself. (laughs) Ann Pasternak, the new director, coming from Creative Time, and Nancy Spector coming from the Guggenheim. It's just amazing. That's absolutely true. And I think it's a remarkable confluence that the vision that brought the Sackler Center to the Brooklyn Museum, Arnold Lehman, Elizabeth Sackler, Judy Chicago's dinner party, is now opening up to a conversation that's being led by a remarkable group of women who are completely engaged in thinking about the currency of feminism today. Yes, and Pasternak and Nancy Spector have embraced the idea of what does a feminist takeover of a historical museum look like? What are the opportunities that we can really focus on to to tell different stories, to think about canonical change, to revise historical revisionism, to push things forward? Yes, being the active word here. (laughs) I mean, the year of yes, looking at art history through the lens of feminism is is the motivation for this. 
It absolutely is. And I have to give Nancy Spector credit for that title. And it's so appropriate and it feels so right on so many different levels. One of the things that's been a, a real challenge and a pleasure for me as the curator of the Sackler Center is thinking about how the Sackler Center can function not only within the Brooklyn Museum, but within the larger art world. And with so many colleagues all over the world doing amazing monographic revisionism of women artists and bringing new shows together within other institutions, one of the things that I felt like was important for the Sackler Center was to think about its position in terms of what it contributed to the conversation. And for me, what that boiled down to was really thinking about feminism as a methodology, a way of looking. The fact that if you are alive in 2017 and looking at visual culture, you have been impacted by feminism. The way that this very important social, political, cultural movement has developed over the past 50 years has had an impact on the way we look at almost everything. So even if something is not made by a feminist artist per se, or have overt feminist context, we can still talk about the way that we look at it through this lens of feminist methodology. And so that's really what this takeover is about as well, is looking through the lens of feminism at this institution and its own history and its own collections and its own place in the world right now. I think it'd be great with that thought in mind to talk about the Sackler Center itself, how it was established and the work of art that is at the heart of that center. My favorite story about that is that Elizabeth Sackler brought Arnold Lehman a book on the dinner party when she had a meeting with him before the founding of the center. And she showed him the book and she said, would you like to have this? And he said, sure, that would be great. He thought she meant the book. <laughs> and in fact, she meant the dinner party. And that conversation opened up the conceptualizing of the, of the Sackler Center, a center for feminist art within a larger institution, the Brooklyn Museum. The dinner party is the iconic work of art that defines this very important feminist project to revise history. That's what the dinner party set out to do. That's what it continues to do. And so centering on that work of art was absolutely the brilliant opening for what we are today, what we will become continuing to reference that history and think about that history and also try and understand and see how it's being seen and used by younger generation of people today. Listeners from outside the U.S. might not know exactly what Judy Chicago's dinner party is, what it looks like. The dinner party was made between 1974 and 1978, and it is a monumental sculptural installation that re-envisions the Western Eurocentric history from the point of view of who was not included in that history. And the model that Judy developed was the idea of the dinner party, you know, who deserves a seat at this table of history. And it is the form of a triangle with 33 place settings representing 33 biographies of women that Judy prioritized as telling important stories in that history. On the floor around these place settings are 999 additional names of important women in history. So a total of 1,038 biographies are made available effectively in this moment in the late 1970s in a pre-internet, a pre-Google, a pre-Wikipedia age. And that's what Judy set out to do in combination with making a really dramatic and beautiful visual representation of these people and their stories. 
it's pretty exceptional. I've been there and it's like a chapel. The design is intended to really highlight the iconic presence of women in the field. The Year of Yes expands on that room, that one space, to take it throughout the museum. I love Beverly Buchanan, the first exhibition on her revision of the male history of land art. I love to hear you say that, honestly, because in a way, the exhibition Beverly Buchanan Ruins and Rituals, which is curated by two remarkable young curators, um, Park MacArthur, who is also an artist, and Jennifer Burris, is a classic example of feminist revisionism because Beverly Buchanan is not an artist who is very well known and needs to be and had a dramatic and important voice to add to several art histories, one of which, as you said, is land art. An artist like Beverly Buchanan, a different conversation to land art, something that we typically think of as large sort of male, I have to say, interruptions into the landscape, into usually pristine, wide open landscapes. There are exceptions to that. Obviously, Nancy Holt is a very important part of this conversation, as are many other women artists. But Beverly Buchanan was an African-American woman who worked primarily in the South. She had deep roots in New York, working here for a number of years and really being part of the art world before going back to the South, to Georgia, where she grew up in South Carolina and North Carolina, and made land art that really reflected her lived experience and her desire to make monuments to mark what are typically unmarked history in African-American culture in that environment. So as far as I'm concerned, moving forward. If you want to talk about land art, Beverly Buchanan needs to be part of that conversation. And she changes that conversation because she adds a politics and a social construction to it that has not typically been seen. In several of these exhibitions, you're looking at the history uh, that's brought us to where we are today. Marilyn Mentor exhibition. Marilyn Minter, Pretty Dirty, is a project that actually originated with the curators Bill Arning and Elisa Arthur, and it has traveled to several venues in the United States, and we are thrilled to be the final venue for the show. Marilyn is a longtime New Yorker and activist in this community. We are particularly thrilled to show her work. She is an artist who has been and considered herself a feminist from almost her earliest work and has certainly instinctively addressed feminist issues in relationship to representation of women, sexuality, fashion, pop culture. And at the same time, she has in the past been taken to task by feminists who felt that her sort of pro-sex and certainly embrace of pornography was problematic. And she is an artist who I think has experienced over several decades coming full circle on sort of our understanding of the way something like pornography can function in a conversation about feminism is a positive thing. So we're thrilled to have this opportunity to present Marilyn's work because, again, it complicates and points to how broad feminism is and how applicable it is so many different artists at different moments. We're doing an exhibition on Georgia O'Keeffe, which opens in a couple of weeks, and it really is about her self-fashioning, how she very much was in control of and thought about and was determined to 
drive how she was seen in the world throughout her career. That exhibition is curated by Wanda Korn and Lisa Small here at the museum, and it is a conversation about an artist who never in her lifetime embraced the idea of feminism. We've talked about the fact that she was in conflict with second-wave feminist. She came of age in a period which, and I think many artists to this day would absolutely agree with her, her priority was to be the greatest living artist. Her interest was not to have the qualification woman artist be applied to that um, title. And that's completely understandable. And I think it was from that perspective that she really made her life. This is going to take on so many facets of who she was. Georgia O'Keeffe left much of her clothing in her estate to the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum. So the fact that she did this implies intention on her part about the value of these objects, about the ways in which she envisioned them as part of her estate, as part of her place in the world. And so we felt like that was an opportunity or an opening to be able to have a conversation about how she managed her image. And because she was so photographed and so sought out as a model over the course of her life in relationship to photography, that is also a keen indicator of this being significant within her lifetime. I think that many people would imagine that the image that we have of O'Keeffe was driven by Stieglitz, who took many of the most important and phenomenal photographs of her. But in fact, looking at the course of her life from even before she knew Stiglitz, she was already making certain poses and making decisions about the way that she represented herself and the types of clothing she wore and the minimalism she embraced. I think that's going to be a gorgeous show. I think so, too. During A Year of Yes, the Brooklyn Museum presents the 2017 version of an experiential exhibition titled Utopia Station. The first Utopia Station emerged at the Venice Biennale in 2003, at a time when wars were being waged in Iraq and Afghanistan. This new iteration responds to current social, economic, cultural, and political challenges in the United States and abroad. Utopia Station, with Molly Nesbitt and Hans Oberg Obrist and Rikrit Terbenizak, really talks about the future, really talks about this idea of utopia and envisioning utopia, and certainly, as far as we're concerned, that is a feminist conversation. I think it will involve, as it did when it was presented in Venice, artists coming and participating in events, performances, discussions, objects brought in to support those conversations and projects. So it's really and another model that I think many museums are now pursuing and curators are very interested in is the performative aspect of our cultural drive. And so I think Utopia Station will participate in that aspect of this project. If we were making a global statement about how the year of yes reimagines feminism, what would you say? I think I would say that reimagining feminism from a historical point of view means acknowledging its very deep roots in our culture and the very profound impact it has already had on the way all of us live our lives and acknowledging that, pointing to that, celebrating that. And then really thinking about what the priorities are for future generations, because feminism is not something that's going to go away. I feel like 
conversations about how long a center for feminist art needs to exist, for instance, is something that that we can have because it's an intellectual conversation that drives what we do in the future. But certainly since the election, I feel more than ever the real need for a place like the Sackler Center to exist and to continue to produce exhibitions and programs and to support ideas about the necessity of feminism. And so how the year of yes will influence the future? I hope we participate as my more feminist instinct in a way, how we collaborate, how we support future thinkers about feminism, how we help describe it, how we help point to it, how we help illustrate it is absolutely what a a museum needs to be doing. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. You've been listening to my conversation with Katherine Morris, curator of the Sackler Center for Feminist Art at the Brooklyn Museum in New York. We've been talking about A Year of Yes, a series of thematic exhibitions and programs that values the past and reimagines the future of feminism and feminist art. Though this may not yet be the moment for Americans to celebrate their first woman president, a year of yes suggests that we can play a role at the forefront of the newest culture war. Yes, this is the year to participate, collaborate, and partner in culture-making. It's time for a feminist takeover. Learn more about a year of yes at freshartinternational.com. Help us grow by taking a few minutes to rate and review this episode on iTunes. You'll find us anywhere you go for podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FreshArtINTL. We'll follow back. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk 